Um, tonight, I want to. Uh, we're in a series called Disciple, and we're in the second message of that series. And I told Viv what I was preaching on tonight, and she said, Oh, you're stealing my message for next week. So I said, Well, same Holy Spirit, honey, we're on the same wavelength. So I'm sure you'll put a different spin on it tonight. But what I want to do tonight is um, I want to do more of a teaching session with you tonight. And uh, as we look at the five stages of discipleship. Now, these stages are not man-made stages. These are biblical stages that are clearly identified in the Bible. And uh, the great thing about tonight is we say, well, Pastor, I hope you're not going to categorize me and put me in a box. Oh, yes, Wendy, she's stage three. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, Viv, she's uh, stage one. And... So uh, if, if you're not using your notes as a fan, please feel welcome to use them as a fan, but just focus in on what we've got here uh, this evening. So last week we talked about, in Disciple 1, we talked about Jesus said, what are the true foundations for any follower of him? And he said, first of all, if anyone wants to follow, he must first come to me. And he said he likened it to a man who built his house on the rock. And he said, he listens to my words and puts them into practice. And when the storms come, when the rain comes, the floods come, the house remains standing because of this one factor. He's not only heard the word, but he's put the word into practice. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 7. And so we discovered that's, last week I asked you, check your foundations. Are you not just hearing the word, but also listening to the word and putting it into practice um, in your life at the moment? So let me give you a definition of disciple, which is in our First Things First manual. It's someone who follows Jesus, someone who knows Jesus and his teaching, someone who grows more like Jesus, and someone who goes for Jesus, serving others, making new disciples. Now that's a definition that I've pulled out of many different verses of Scripture, But you'll find it, you know, a follower of Jesus is someone who's not just a learner, but they're following Jesus. And they're not just following Jesus, but they're following his teaching. So we follow Christ, then we find out the teachings of Jesus, we begin to put them into practice in our life, and then we've got the process of the Holy Spirit working in our lives to make us grow more like Jesus. That's the process, a flash Bible word called sanctification which means becoming more and more like Jesus as we go through our journey. In other words, our lives have been changed and our lives are reflecting those changes. We actually become nicer people. Isn't that cool? We become people that other people like to hang around. There's something in your life that you've got and, uh, and they want it because they see the change taking place. So we grow more like Jesus. But last of all, Third, we go for Jesus. We're, a, we're sent ones. We're actually on a mission from God. And God gives us people that He connects us to. God places us in neighbourhoods. God places us in the marketplace. And we go for Jesus in those opportunities that He gives to us. Amen. And then lastly, serving others and we're making new disciples. And so you're going to see tonight through the five stages of discipleship, As I go through these stages tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you characteristics and traits for each stage of discipleship. 
So you may be able to identify where you're at. I'm not putting you in a box. This is what Jesus said to all of us. This is what he said. He said, you will know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. In other words, you'll see the display of what's going on in their lives. It will come out from their lives and other people will be able to see it. Another thing Jesus said was this. He said, out of the abundance of a person's heart, the mouth speaks. And so we can recognize what kind of fruit is evident in our life by the words that we're speaking and that are coming out of our mouth. Paul the Apostle put it like this. The goal of the whole of the New Testament, he summed up in one verse in Colossians 1 verse 28. Him we proclaim. Who's that? Jesus. We proclaim Jesus, warning everyone, telling people about Jesus and teaching everyone with all wisdom, not the wisdom of man, the wisdom of God, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The word mature means fully grown. It means we've grown up. It means we're no longer babes in Christ anymore. It means we're no longer infants. It means that we've actually steadily over the years, we've become more like Jesus. And so Paul said, my goal, my goal is that every person that names the name of Christ, that says I'm a follower of Christ, my goal as a, as a, as a leader in the church, as an equipper of the saints, is this, I want to see them grow up. I want to see them mature. I want to see them fully functioning in what God's called them to do. And you see, this is why as a church we have such a focus on disciple making. Because Jesus said, "Not I didn't call you to go to make decisions. Put your hand up in a service. Get a Bible. Come back next week and hear what the pastor's got to say next week. No, he said, I've called you to be a disciple. For somebody to be walking on your shoulder. For somebody to be mentoring you and showing you the ropes and teaching you and at times correcting you and at times rebuking you. You know, I always remember that in my, uh, my mentor, uh, one day I was so keen and back in the day of cassette tapes, woohoo, and ghetto blasters. Remember them, the big ghetto blasters? All the break dancers used to have them out on the street. I wasn't one of the break dancers, by the way, just in case you were wondering. And, um, and we had the, we, they started putting out the Bible on tape. I still find myself recording something on Sky TV and say, have you taped that, honey? <laughs> Tape that, honey, you know, the old VCR, the old cassette decks. But anyway, um, he had a set of the Bible on tape and he was at work one day and I was on shift work. And uh, so I thought, oh, he won't mind if I just, you know, get my own set. And so I borrowed his tapes and I went down to the church office and I paid for all my new audio tapes and I copied them across. Uh, to, so they became my set of tapes. Except um, I hadn't yet understood as a new Christian that there's a little C that was on the, the label on the cassette tapes. And, uh, and so I proud, you know, proudfully showed him as he came home from work, oh, look, man, I've, I just can't wait to get into the Word. And he said, excuse me? He said, um, do you realize that you've just become a thief? I said, pardon me? I said, what? And he said, you see that little C on those tapes? That's called Copyright. 
And that means that you can't copy these things unless you get the express permission of the people that made them. And, uh, and I remember being rebuked in my first, uh, that was my first rebuke that I received. I had many more after that. Do we know what that is? Oh, okay. All right, so the fire truck will be turning up. We're so on fire, he's coming to put us out. <laughs> Praise God. That's a, that's a dad joke. But you see, uh, you know, we've all met them, haven't we? We've all met people. They're now my age. Except 35 years ago, when we were hanging out, we were doing drugs. We were drinking excessively. We were drifting in and out of relationships. And 35 years later, they're still doing it. They've never grown up. You know people like that? They've never grown up. They're still doing what they were doing in their late teens, and they've never, ever grown up. And you see, sometimes we can become like that as Christians. We can know about God. We can even quote the Word of God. But are we living like Jesus in the world that he's placed us in today? Do we have the, the acid test of the fruit test within our lives? And so, you know, I, I was thinking uh, this week about um, James and John. Jesus goes and passes through on his way to Jerusalem, a Samaritan village. And, uh, and when they found that he was on his way to Jerusalem, the Samaritans and the Jews have no dealings with each other in Scripture. And so they actually rejected Jesus and said, you're not welcome here. So do you know what two of his main apostles did? This is what they said. Let's smoke them, Lord. Let's call down lightning bolts from heaven and let's burn them up. <laughs> Just like Elijah did. Yeah, let's be like Elijah and call down these. Let's smite those smiters and let's put them out of action forever and throw a few lightning bolts down on them. What, what a very mature response from people who are called to love other people. <laughs> Calling down lightning from heaven. How mature of you, James and John, the sons of thunder. And so Jesus rebuked them straight away. And he said, this is what he said to them. You don't know what manner of spirit you are. And so what he was saying is you've got a lot to learn. And this is a very immature way of handling your issues. And I know for me, there was a few outstanding issues I had when I came to Christ. And I wanted to deal with those issues with the fivefold ministry. Anybody ever been there? It's this, the fivefold ministry. <laughs> and, and that's what, you know, our immaturity shows at times. Our immaturity shows at times by the responses that we have in situations that we're in. So tonight, five clear stages. Uh, the first stage that we have tonight is obviously spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. That's the first stage. That's where you and I started. If you know Christ tonight, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, but you were once dead in your transgressions and in your sins. That means that you were dead to God. That means that your spirit was dead. You had no communication ability with the Lord because your, your whole inner man was darkened and alienated and separated from God. And that's where a lot of the world is at right now. 
That's the place that they're in. Their understanding is darkened. You talk to them about Jesus, they they go cross-eyed, they don't know anything about what you're saying because they can't receive because they're spiritually dead. And this is the first level that we have. And it's from this level here that a person gets born again. So each stage, I've got phrases from the stage to help you identify. So here's some typical phrases that somebody who's spiritually dead will say. I don't believe there's a God. That's all rubbish. I don't believe there's a God. That's just a bunch of myths. Oh, religion. Are you religious, are you? Yeah, well, religion's for people who want a crutch, who need a crutch within their life. So I understand where you're coming from, mate. Oh, didn't you know, there's there's many ways to God. There's many ways to God the spiritually dead will tell you. Or they might say something like, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe there is a hell. Or somebody who's been raised with a good moral code and is spiritually dead, they'll say, I'll take my chances. I believe that the big guy upstairs, he'll, he'll weigh my good deeds versus my bad deeds. And I've been a pretty good person most of my life, so I think I'll scrape through and I'll get into heaven because I've been a pretty good person. Which, of course, we also know is not the way to gauge uh, whether you're ever going to get to heaven or not. So what's the need at this stage for people in their life? Well, the first need is obviously they need Jesus Christ in their life. They need to know the Lord. They need to be born again, which you'll see on your clock around the circle is the, is the gap between uh, someone who's spiritually dead and someone who's an infant in Christ. They need to be introduced to Jesus. They need some of their questions answered about Jesus, about God, and about the Bible. They need, a clear, they need a clear presentation of the gospel to be able to understand what this gospel is all about. But you know what they need most of all? They need, they need people who are prepared to preach their best sermons by the way they live their life. And that's where the curiosity factor begins to grow in a person's life when they can see the way that you're living your life. So this stage is really known as the pre-conversion stage. And if you're a Christian today, you've been there, you know what it's like to live in that stage. The second stage is the infant stage. Let's say that together. Infant stage. We all know what an infant is. And this is really the sharing stage. You've come to know the Lord, you've been born again, and now you're this time where you're sharing, you're sharing your life. You're sharing this biblical truths that you're, that you're chomping through. There's new habits. You're sharing new habits uh, that have been formed within your life. And so Peter says it like this, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. For me, this was a very exciting stage. The infant stage is often the honeymoon stage. The infant stage is where there is just, every day is just like a day of excitement where there's so much waiting out there for you. And, you know, you still haven't faced some of the realities that you're about to face. But don't be one of those Christians that says, oh, you're in the honeymoon stage. Don't worry, mate, you're going to get out of that honeymoon stage. Let them enjoy their honeymoon. Let them enjoy. You don't say that to a honeymoon couple when they're going off on their honeymoon. I hope you have a good time because when you come back, you're going to hit the real grind of marriage. You don't say that, do you? So we need to be encouraging to people who are in the infant stage. Let them enjoy their stage. 
But you know what? There's a danger in this stage. And here's the danger. The danger is, is that all of us can get stuck in the infant stage. It doesn't matter how long you've known Christ, the measure of your maturity is if you've moved on through the stages and we can often get stuck. And this is what the writer in Hebrews says in Hebrews 5 verse 12. For both by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of the milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is but a babe. And so here he's, he's hitting him between the eyes and he's saying this. You guys have been around for a while now. How come you're still in the infant stage? How come you're still on the milk? You think you're ready for the meat, but you're not because you haven't been putting the milk of the word into practice. And so let there just be a warning at this stage that, you know, this stage is, is marked by a high level of ignorance. There's a lot that we don't know at this stage. And uh, there's a lot of the lack of knowledge because we simply haven't had time to pick up and to learn. It can be a messy stage, the infant stage. It's a stage where, you know, where, 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 just like a, a newborn baby, there's lots of messes to clean up because we're very immature, we're new to the faith. Sometimes we do stupid things, we say stupid things, and as a result, we've got to learn sometimes to clean up our own uh, mess. So phrases of this stage is that, oh, do I really need to go to church services all the time? Uh, I don't know about that. Or um, what do, do I need to pray and read the Bible every day? Really? How do I do that? I'm not sure how to do that. Or there's the classic Mr. Independent. I don't need the church. It's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. And me and Jesus, we're going to get along fine. I don't need anybody else in, in my life. And that's typically because you've been raised with an independent level of thinking and uh, you've been raised to never rely on anybody else. Or something like this can also be um, shared is that I know Jesus is God, but aren't all the world's religions just the same? They all lead to God, don't they? And so there's still a high level of ignorance at this infant stage. And so these sort of questions or something like my wife and I got baptized the other night and then we were driving home. We felt so good. And then we had this dumb argument about the stupidest thing and it turned into a big row. I thought that when we got saved and when we got baptized, that all goes away. Wouldn't that be nice? Praise God. Oh, Viv would never have to argue with me ever again. <laughs> so what's the need of people in the infant stage? Here's some of the needs. They need someone to care for them, just like a mother cares for a baby. They need someone to come alongside them, to feed them, and to care for them. And as we go through tonight, you're going to see the big need and why Jesus said, I've called you to go and make disciples, and what he meant by that. They need a mentor, a spiritual parent. They need someone to disciple them. They need guidance. They need protection. I remember many times in my infant stage where I, I was flummoxed 
and I literally didn't know what to do with some of the hard choices that I had in front of me. And you know what I did? I called on my mentors, and I had more than one. And those people would sometimes, they would come uh, late at night, and they come round to my flat, and they come and minister to me, and they come and pray for me. And that's the type of thing that an infant needs. They need to know there's someone that really cares for them. Somebody that's not just giving lip service on a Sunday morning with a typical, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. It was a great week. Yeah, lots of sunshine this week. Have a good week. See you later. We can be so superficial. That's what we call veneer. Veneer is surface. And we've got to get below the surface if we're going to help people in the infant stage. They need guidance. When I was a new Christian, I had Mormons and J-dubs knocking on my door, and I thought they were all from the same family until they started telling me weird things. And I'm thinking, that doesn't sound right. And then I go and talk to somebody, so I don't, don't let them in your house. Don't let them in your house. Uh, the Bible says never to bless them. Uh, and so I started learning all those sorts of things uh, in my uh, early Christian walk. Another need they have is that they need to form new habits and new patterns in their life in order to follow Jesus Christ. Praise God. Are we moving past the infant stage? Amen. We're going to stage three, the child stage. So the child stage, this is a stage where you've come to Christ, you've begun to learn, but you're starting to realize there's one big need in your life, and that is that you need to connect with other Christians. You need to connect with the family of God. And what I love about the church of Jesus is this, it's made up of multiple generations. I hate single generation church. The Bible teaches that the family of God is a multi-generational church. Don't get me wrong, I love young people. But you know what? Young people need old people like me to help them because I've been where they have been and I've walked in their footsteps before and it's the same with us older ones. We have a lot to offer and that's why God put us into families so the young ones can get guidance and mentorship so they know, amen, they know how to get. So they're connecting to God, they're connecting to the church family, they're connecting to their purpose at this stage. First uh, John, the Apostle John describes them in two, chapter 2, verse 12. I write to you, little children. That's the name he gave them. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. When you're a child in the Lord, you're just so grateful that you're no longer carrying around the burden and the weight of guilt and sin, your wrongdoing, your slate's been wiped clean, you're rejoicing in the fact that you are now a child of God. So traits in this stage is that um, they're starting to grow in their relationship with the Lord and other Christians. They've begun to learn scripture. They've learned how to navigate from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible. They haven't read the Bible fully yet, but they've they, they start to know where the books in the Bible are because they've started reading the Bible on a regular basis. Uh, they can hold a conversation about spiritual things with other people and not be flummoxed. They actually can learn to know their way uh, around the Word and start sharing spiritual uh, truths. They've started to apply the Word. Um, but at this stage, at the child stage, listen to this, at the child stage, it's still mostly about me. It's still mostly about me. Just like it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. 
A child is still very self-centered and it's all about them and their needs and they're still very much living in that world. Most of the time, completely unaware of any self-centered traits that are going on in their lives. The key question that we need to ask at this stage as as a child of God is that have we allowed and been asking for the Holy Spirit to come and help us make the changes that we need to make within our lives? Are we actively looking at bringing the change? And just like, you know, you see an infant can't do anything for themselves. They can't change their nappies. They can't change their clothes. And so when you move to the child stage, I can remember teaching my kids how to tie their shoelaces and how excited they were when they actually learnt to tie their own shoelaces. And so a child can do some things for themselves, but not everything for themselves. And so there's a phase now where you've developed past the infant stage. You're now in the child stage where you're starting to see how you can actually start doing things for yourself as a believer. Here's some of the phrases from this stage. Because, they, because we're still at that self-centered and we're not really um, at that place of being others-centered, I don't know if this church is meeting my needs anymore. Or, oh, please don't split my small group. I want to stay with my friends. Who are all these new people coming to church? I liked it much better where everybody knew each other. That was far better. I enjoyed that much better. What about the music, all this modern music in the church today? Or I don't think I really got fed from the sermon today. You see, a lot of the phrases are actually reflecting me, me, me. When you're mature, you can get past all that stuff. If the preacher preaches bad and he's not preaching and and meeting your needs, you know what you can do? You can go and feed yourself. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, or oh, I, I've been serving in church for ages, but nobody notices me or appreciates my gift. <laughs> so the primary needs of the child stage is this. They have a strong relational connection and they're developing their maturity in a relationship that's got a discipler and a disciplee, a mentor and a mentee. They're moving, from, uh, they're moving from dependency on others to becoming a self-feeder, learning to feed themselves. You know, if I had my son, who I did used to actually do this for when he was about three, open wide the tunnel, the train's coming through, choo-choo! And then I put my spoon of food in his mouth and he would eat it up and he enjoyed it. But if he's still sitting in the high chair at 15 years old and I'm still spoon feeding him, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> and so we need to move on to becoming self-feeders. We need to teach them at this stage about their identity, who they are in Jesus Christ and encourage them to develop close friendships with other believers. Amen to that. Develop friendships with other believers. Um, And we're at this stage teaching them how to apply the word. Are you guys all right so far? You're learning something? All right, with stage four, I know it's more of a teach than a preach. 
Um, but I think in our early stages of development, it's really important for us to understand not only what the stages are, but where are you at? Where are you at in the stages? So let's move on to stage four, second to last stage. This is the stage of the young adult. Spiritually speaking, a young adult. We're not talking about in the natural, but in the spiritual. This stage is the ministry stage. This is where we're actively engaging people, equipping them, getting them out there, hands and feet involved. They're not only serving, but now they're learning how to minister uh, to other people. They're getting new opportunities. They're being released and empowered to do ministry. Look at what John says in the same passage he talked about little children. He goes on to talk about the stage of young adults. Look at this. 1 John 2 verse 13. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. There's now a stage, you know, in our early, I remember in the, my early stages, I've been a Christian for about three months, and a guy way from my past came around, and he had a whole lot of drugs with him. And, uh, and he started saying, oh, Jim, I heard that, you know, you'd, you know, that you'd turn to the other side. And I said, yeah, yeah, I have, I'm a Christian now. And he says, so you wouldn't be interested in having a session with me then? And I said, oh, I might. Brand new Christian, you see. Hadn't been founded in the faith, and it ended up, I ended up getting high. And a couple of days later, I ended up getting high again and missing my water baptism. Everybody was waiting for me, and I never turned up. Because I'm, I'm, I'm an infant. I'm a baby in Christ. And uh, I still, to this day, never face those people. I never saw them ever, ever again, any of those people. <laughs> Because of the shame of it all. But you see, when you're at the young adult stage, this is what's happened. Temptations come. Bro, I don't touch that stuff anymore. Now, a little while down the track, that was my confession. Nah, man, I don't drink anymore. I don't smoke that stuff anymore. I'm not taking any of that stuff anymore. But bro, I want to tell you something. Have you heard about Jesus? Oh, bro, I've got to be somewhere else. I've got to be somewhere else. <laughs> And so at the young adult stage, you're learning to be an overcomer. And this is what John is saying. You've overcome the wicked one. You've started to prove your mettle. You've started to grow stronger in the Lord. You're no longer getting wiped out by every temptation that comes knocking on your door. And you're starting to overcome. Verse 14, I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So he's reinforcing this again in the next verse. And this is what he's saying. There's three things that define the young adult stage. Number one, you've overcome the evil one. Number two, you've become strong. And number three, the word of God is abiding in you. Come on, guys. This is where we want to grow our disciples no longer being tossed to and fro with every wave of, or wind of doctrine, no longer falling into Satan's traps, but starting to grow stronger in the Lord. I've watched young Arwen go through this stage as he's been discipled over the last few years, you know. It's unbelievable if I see his progress as he's tracked through. Came on a missions trip with me when he was six months old as a Christian. Uh, laid hands on a man who'd been bitten by a cobra snake. His leg was like an elephant. 
and, uh, and laid hands on him and prayed for him to be healed. And he was healed. And he'd been like that for 20 years. He'd had poison in the bone marrow in his leg. And he had an elephant leg. And one young man comes along with faith in his heart to believe that he can be healed. Prays for him and he gets healed. Absolutely awesome. That man was so, he'd been in pain every day for 20 years. And you know, and I've watched as Owens move from, you know, not only having faith to pray for the sick, but as he's begun to see what it means to overcome temptation in his life and move into that stage. So here's the traits of somebody who's moved into the young adult phase, spiritual phase. They've made a shift from being self-focused to becoming others-focused. That's a big shift. Let me tell you, that's a big shift in all of our lives. They've now started to reorientate their lives completely around what the Word says, not what man's opinions are. It's what the Word says. So if somebody's spouting something and it doesn't sound right, they'll go to the Word. What does the Word say? Amen? They're focused on doing the will of God. They've now got that hunger. God, I only want to, like Jesus, never, not my will be done, but your will be done. Amen? You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. They're now praying the will of God. They don't want to be out of the will of God. They want to stay in the will of God and work with the Lord to carry out His purposes for their lives. They want to minister to people who don't know Jesus. They want to share. And listen, as we grow as a church, I want to tell you, we're going to be teaching you how to share your faith. We're going to be teaching you not to get tongue-tied and to be with stammering and stuttering lips, not knowing what to say. The gospel is very, very easy to share, and you can do it in a very simple way with people. And, uh, you know, not being out there and, you know, sitting on the edge of your seat, shall I share, shall I share, shall I? and then you blurt something out and it comes out all wrong, and they go, wow, you're a weirdo. <laughs> Anybody had that happen to them? Oh, yeah. And so they want to minister to others. They want to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. They have a lot more energy at this stage. And that energy has been supplied to them by the Lord. They're growing in their walk with the Lord and they want to serve. They want to serve others. They want to join up with ministries that are looking outward. They want to be people focused, helping others. So here's some typical phrases that you'll hear someone who's moved into the young adult stage. You know, in my devotions the other day, I came across this thing that really ministered to you. Can I share that with you? They're sharing stuff with others out of the Word because God's speaking to them. And they just love, they just want to share what the Holy Spirit's been showing them. They're up to date and current. They're not running on the fumes of where they were 20 years ago and spouting off something that they learned 20 years ago. They have an up-to-date relationship with Jesus and God's speaking to them and they just love to share what God's been showing them. They say things like, man, I can't wait for the church's next mission trip. I want to be on the team. I want to be in the thick of the action. I want to go and share the gospel with people from other nations. Or they start, they start talking about how at work they've built a relationship with people. See, no longer the weirdo. You know, when I was still in the secular world before I became a pastor, I became a pastor at the age of 24, after I was an elder in the church at the age of 22 and didn't know anything about life. How's that? <laughs> I look back on that and I think, man, these guys took some big risks with me, big risks. And um, 
And anyway, I worked in quite a big office, a lot of staff, and I shared the gospel with every single person and they were still my friend. They used to think I was a bit weird going down into the centre of the city and preaching the gospel in my lunch hour. They used to think that was a little bit weird. But they still used to engage me in the smoko room. They still used to talk to me. They didn't like when they saw me coming across the street and walk the other side. They were still my friend. And so there's a way of, there's a way of, in, in the marketplace, in the workplace, of sharing your faith without making enemies. And so they want to do that, you know. Um, uh, they'll say stuff like, hey, man, I really want to start a small group. Will you help me start a small group? They want to get involved in ministry. They want, they, they're at that stage where they're hungry and they're willing to take responsibility. Is anybody in that stage tonight? Praise God. They're willing to make massive changes to fit in with God and his plans for their life. You know, change is hard for all of us. Change is hard for all of us. We get set in our ways. And when God wants to do something new, guess who's going to have to change? It isn't the Lord. He says, I'm the Lord and I change not. <laughs> so it's got to be you and me. And so at the young adult stage, they're starting to realize it's not all about me. I'm others focused. I want to minister to people. I want to take responsibility. I want to go out of my way, even if it's more difficult for me. I want to go out of my way in order to minister to other people. Praise God. Are you all still with me? All right, last stage tonight, the spiritual parent stage. The spiritual parent stage. This is the disciple maker stage. This is where God is using your life to multiply his work through to others. You know, most of us have a passion towards a certain person. I think of Didri here tonight. She's, she's a teacher at the school here. And she's got the young ones in her class. And she's just, she has a passion in her life to teach young ones, to give them a good start to life. You know, when we want to minister to people, often there'll be uh, like a, a certain sector that God gives us a passion for in life. For business people, it could be business people. For school teachers, it'll be kids. For, for children's ministry workers, it'll be uh, the children in the church. They want to minister to them. They want to multiply through their life or people in the marketplace. But at the spiritual parent stage, you've got one desire, and that is that you want to reproduce. You're not, see, I'm not happy. I can tell you right now, after all these years, I become extremely frustrated if I'm not reproducing in my life. Because God said in the first mandate he ever gave, he said, I've given you dominion. I've given you authority. Now go and multiply and reproduce. And so when we're not reproducing, when there's not a trail of multiplication behind us, lives we have impacted who are then impacting other lives. That's the key. There's another link in the chain at the spiritual parent stage. Notice it's not called the spiritual adult stage like the young adult stage. Why is that? What's the main role of parents? 
to look after kids. So when you're a spiritual parent, you're always looking after somebody else that's at another stage and you're pulling them up closer to Christ. You're multiplying them. You're discipling them. You're making them into somebody that when you finally say, my work is done, they can go and do exactly what you taught them to do. Don't allow the chain of command to stop at that person. You know, we... We, we only, it's what we expect in others that we're prepared to inspect. Do you get that? If I've got no expectation on you guys to ever go and reproduce, I'll never inspect what's going on in your lives. That's accountability that God brings into all of our lives where there is an expectation from the scriptures upon our lives to actually be reproducers and to multiply. And we're prepared to let God inspect the fruit to see if the fruit is actually measuring up. Praise God. So, hang in there with me, guys. Can I say this tonight? If you think you might be at stage five, at the spiritual parent stage, but you're not parenting others, then you're probably not at the stage five. You're actually at the stage four, which is the young adult stage. Stage five is marked by the fact that you're parenting, mentoring, making disciples who are then going to go on and make disciples in other people's lives. You know, I, th I, I think of Paul here tonight. You know, Paul has come to the Lord recently and, and, uh, and Paul is living with Georgie and Ania. And for two years, I mentored and discipled Georgie and Ania. For two years. And Georgie and Ania have gone on to mentor Paris and Naomi and now Paul. And Paul will go on at some stage to go and mentor others. Hey, bro, that's the plan. That's the plan. And so we understand that's, what, that's the process in which God wants us to enter into. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. And I want you to take notice of this verse. It's one of the key verses in the New Testament. The things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. How many stages of passing the baton are in that verse? Stages of command passing down. Four, four, Paul to Timothy, two, Timothy to faithful men, three, faithful men to others, that's four generations of disciples, four generations in one verse, and Paul said, this is the plan for my church. Timothy, I've taught you, I've mentored you, now it's your turn to go and mentor faithful men and women who will then go on to mentor others also. Amen, church? Right now in many of the revivals around the world, do you know what they're getting down to? Some churches have gotten down to 32 generations. 32 generations, starting from one person, leading a person to Christ, discipling them, and then gone down to 32 generations. 
Because in revival, they just keep coming. They just keep coming. And if we're not ready, we can pray all we like for revival, but if we're not ready to mentor, disciple, if we're not ready to be spiritual parents, if we're not ready, then, then this is what will happen. Many will fall away. Many will fall away in that time. Okay, here's some traits, lastly, as we finish up on the stage of uh, stage five. They've got a solid understanding of the Word of God. They have a deep, abiding relationship with Jesus. They have become self-feeders. They're daily reading the Word. They're daily focused on drawing strength from their personal relationship with God. They have a strong desire to go and mentor others who they can see need help. They're not prepared to just let people flounder. They'll see someone floundering and then they'll come alongside of them and begin to input into their lives. They're other-centered and kingdom-focused. They've learned how to recognize where other believers are at in their stage of development and they'll come alongside and bring them up and grow them up to become that fully-fledged disciple of Jesus. And they've got a strong desire to be spirit-led to allow the Holy Spirit at work within their lives to lead them as they go around. So here's some phrases from the stage. Lord, can you show me right now who I need to be investing my time in? Not prepared to sit idle. Can you show me right now who I can invest some time into? I want to tell you, church, you have no idea how much of a difference you can make in people's lives when you're prepared to come alongside and invest in people. We've got to get away from the pastor-centered model. The pastor-centered model, as far as I'm concerned, it's over and done with. Where all the spokes of the wheel come into the hub of the pastor. And he's the one that does all the, after all, that's what we pay him for, isn't it? <laughs> we've got to get away from that model and we've got to begin to re equip, release and empower people in the church to be the spiritual parents and to mentor other people. You can have a huge influence in people's lives. Um, another phrase could be, I've been thinking about training up Jeff and taking on responsibility to begin to lead other groups as I can see him growing. You know, phrases like that where we can just see where others are growing and we can begin to um, help them in that uh, task of actually being responsible, being willing to take the weight of responsibility. And you know, although you'll hear them say, I led somebody to Christ the other day. I led somebody to Christ the other day. There's no greater thrill in a person's life when they can lead somebody to Jesus Christ. So what are the needs at this stage as we're nearly there? The need at this stage is that if you're at the spiritual parent stage, is that you have a real need to spend time with other spiritual parents where you can share and learn and imbibe, imbibe off each other and, and allow the infusion of what's going on in each other's lives to strengthen you and to help you to be encouraged. Um, you, the traits of the, the needs of the stage, sorry, is the accountability and ongoing training for their skills. Uh, and to become better spiritual parents, you know. We all need training, friends. We all need training. 
No, Greg, you'd never let somebody loose on some of that equipment you've got in your business without training them first, right? You're just not going to do that because it's going to cost you thousands of dollars in that civil engineering business that you have if you just let a brand new trainee on there and then they wreck a $10,000 piece of equipment and it's the same in the church. We need to train, equip and make disciples as we go. Um, we need to, the needs at this stage, listen to this carefully and I'm, I'm speaking to myself in this, is that we need boundaries as well because people who are on fire who want to multiply, who want to make disciples, you can burn yourself out because you see so much need in the church. Where are all the, dis- where are the fathers in the faith? Where are the fathers and mothers? Where, where are the people? And so you run to that need and that next need and that next need. And before you know it, you're burning yourself out. So we need boundaries at the spiritual parent stage to know what God has assigned us to do and what he hasn't assigned us to do. Can I hear an amen from that tonight? Um, They want to become involved in growing a culture in the church of making disciples and growing people up to stage five. They want to get involved in that. They want to see that as a culture. Disciple making is either a culture in a church or it's not. And if it's not a culture, it all just becomes about being an attender. Oh yeah, I attend that church. But you don't have a clue about what making a disciple is. You wouldn't know how to grab a new Christian and, and, and bring them up through to, through to the child stage and the young adult stage. And so it's really, really important, even in this church right from day one, uh, that you would get a teaching message. I'm a preacher, so I'm teaching tonight. And you're getting a teaching message from me tonight because I consider this stuff to be vital to our understanding and comprehension about what Jesus has called us to do. So summing up tonight, all of these stages are equal and valid in the sight of God. None of them are more important than the other because if there's people at every stage and they're all important as just every life is important to the Lord. Um, every person, every person that's come a disciple of Jesus are loved equally by the Lord and the saints. You know, as a, as a stage five believer, God doesn't love me more than an infant who's just come to Christ. We're all on the same. He loves us all equally, and he wants us all to have the same value in each other's lives. Amen? So also understand, too, that mature people are not perfect people. Do you know what that means? is that you need to give the grace to everyone, no matter what stage they're at, to make mistakes. We're a grace-orientated church. We don't build ourselves on laws and rules. And as Faith Point Churches, we give people grace if they're making mistakes in their life, and we're just going to come alongside them, love them the same, get alongside them, and help them not to repeat that same mistake. Okay, and also understand, I've given you the five stages tonight, but listen to me, they're not all cut and dried. There's some blurry lines between the stages in terms that sometimes we can act as a spiritual parent. Next minute, we're acting like an infant. (laughs) So we need to understand that tonight. Can I finish with this last verse? 
from the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. This is such a powerful statement. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He's actually writing from a jail cell. And he's so concerned, because he's in prison, he's so concerned about the condition of those who have come to know the Lord. He's concerned. He doesn't have a cell phone. He doesn't have a telephone. He doesn't even have snail mail that he can rely on. And so he's, he's, his heart is aching to know that this church he planted, that the believers there are actually going well and they're growing in the Lord and they're going through these stages of growth. So this is what he says. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Why? That I also may be encouraged when I know your state. He's saying, I'm believing that it's going to be good news. I'm believing that I'm going to be encouraged when I find out your spiritual condition and how you've been walking with the Lord. And then he says in verse 20, for I have no one like-minded. He said, I haven't. This guy's been preaching the gospel for years. He's put his life in danger. He's travelled from... from, province to province, preaching the gospel. He's been stoned. He's been beaten. He's been left for dead. He's been shipwrecked. And now he's saying to, uh, uh, to the church at Philippi, I'm going to send Timothy to you because I don't have anyone else that really cares. Wow. That's powerful. It's sad, but it's powerful. So Paul struggled The great and mighty Apostle Paul, who I'm longing to hang out and have a cup of coffee with. Coffee, coffee. (laughs) Because get off that subject. (laughs) Grape juice, yeah, yeah. So he says, listen to this. I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. He said, this guy, Timothy, he's gold. He loves people, he genuinely cares about others, and he's he's genuinely concerned about you. And then he gives the reason why, verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. That's 21st century right there. The self-absorbed society that we live in, even as Christians, can swallow us up, swallow our thinking up, swallow the way that we do church. Church is only about attending a meeting. It's not about actually getting to know people, finding out how they're traveling in their life. Do they have any issues that you can get alongside and help them with? Because it's, it's all about my world. I'm so focused on my world that I just can't focus on your world. I'm sorry. And Timothy broke the mold. And, you know, history tells us that Timothy became an extraordinary pastor. He was the pastor appointed at the church of Ephesus, became a great leader in the church of Jesus because he was genuine. He was a real one. He was the real deal. He'd been trained properly, equipped properly. You know, Paul had Paul said this, Demas has forsaken me. He spent years training up this guy Demas and he ran off and left Paul high and dry. Uh, Mark, the actual gospel writer of the book of Mark, 
came on a mission trip with Paul and then halfway through said, I want to go home to mummy. And, and Paul and Barnabas had a big set to about, about taking Mark on a second trip. Paul said, I ain't taking him with me if he's going to bail on me like he did last time. And they had such a great contention about it. They went their separate ways. All over an immature believer. And so understand tonight that to sincerely care for people's lives means that we've got to be willing to get involved. That's what a stage five disciple is all about. I'm prepared to invest. I'm prepared to get involved with boundaries. I'm prepared to get involved and I'm prepared to make a difference with my life. Can I ask you to stand tonight as we finish this message?